Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are providing an outlook for the US economy. Just back hot on the heels of a trip over there and some of the anecdotal evidence that I saw over the last week or so will certainly help you set out your stand for a great trading environment for the next quarter. Take plenty of notes, most importantly, take plenty of action. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurentiel. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. And today, funnily enough, we're going to be talking about things hot off the press. But before we do that, nice suit. I think it's the same as mine. It's very similar. Similar but different. Similar but different. Yours is probably five times the price of mine. But anyway, parking that to the side. (laughs) Hot off the press. You've just been back from the US. Hopefully the flight was okay for you. Oh, don't get me started on travel at the moment. I think that's something I'd choose to shelve for another six months if I can. It was uh, it was a slog, but uh, worth the trip nonetheless. Some great insight and uh, and some good business. So yeah, which is exactly what we'll talk about today. So really, the the whole mandate for today is to talk about the stats, the eyes and the ears of the U.S. economy. Oh, yeah. Spent a couple of days there. Uh, I know it was relatively short term and business orientated. Nonetheless, you mentioned that got to spend a fair bit of time walking around and really seeing what it was all about. So. To kick us off, AB, what can you tell us about your most broad observations whilst there? Yeah, it's always interesting. As an economist, I keep a pretty keen eye on the statistics. Uh, and, you know, they always say that stats don't lie. Well, 95% of statistics are said to be made up, so maybe they do. Uh, but, you know, comparing you know, what you see in the headline numbers to what you see on the ground provides a lot of validation. And it's a uh, an approach to investing I've used for an awful long time. Any of our clients that have been through boot camp with me, for example, know I love just walking around in the city and, uh, and, and just really anecdotally looking around. And I think, uh, you know, not everyone's got the luxury of being an economist, um, but everyone, or most people at least, have got the luxury of having eyes and ears. And if you look around in the right places, you can find some pretty good insights, I think, into uh, into what's going on. And interestingly, Mitch, the challenges that they're facing over there, they're really not dissimilar to ourselves. Uh, by and large, the fixation is on the cost of living, in particular fuel prices. You know, I think it was seven bucks a gallon to fill the car up uh, while I was there. And, and I've never seen anything close to that in my time uh, in the US, just in the same way that you know we haven't seen anything close to you know $2.30 a litre uh, here in Australia. Um, so you know, gas prices and generally the cost of living are the two things that people are really griping about and, and struggling. Uh, it's a genuine weight on people's shoulders. Um, as always, everything in the US tends to be a bit earlier before we get it here. And we've already started a rate rise cycle too. So they've already started to feel the pain uh, to an extent of uh, of higher interest rate rises. It's interesting you say that. And I think it's important for our listeners out there too, is that there's, it's twofold. You've got to know the numbers. Mm. Uh, but as you said, it's not easy to understand mm. that. Going, having a looking around and, and walking to see things for what they are is the easier one of the two. When you combine them together, that's your magic formula to, mm. to therefore make an investment decision. Now, we talk about here, AB, on the numbers side, given I spend most of the time on the trading desk, we talk about an inversion of the yield curve, and we won't go into detail on to what that <laughs> is because we cover that in the weekly classroom, for example. A yield curve is when the short-term bond yields exceed the long-term bond mm. yields, which is typically a leading indicator to a recession. Mm. In your experience walking around the US, did you would you say it felt like that could be where we're heading? Yeah, look, I mean, if you sort of try and explain about the importance of bonds, bonds are a, a tricky beast, so we probably need to address that. I guess when you see short-term interest rates, effectively uh, bond yields, higher than longer-term 10-year interest rates, that in itself is an anomaly because there's more risk 
further down the line, there's more potential for volatility. So normally interest rates into the future are higher than what they are in the short term. Now, obviously, we're starting to see that turn up. And that is creating a lot of pain for people, especially if you've got a society that is fueled on credit, where all of a sudden, um, you know, repayments on your mortgage, for example, have started to increase or repayments on your credit card, uh, noting, of course, afterpay and so on are, are not really that prevalent over there at this point in time, um, are um, you know, major, major issues for people. And uh, it, it is starting to weigh heavily on sentiment. The US has enjoyed a cracking run. You know, economic confidence is incredibly high. The economy, uh, you know, the unemployment is, uh, you know, is in the 3% type level, um, at least according to the official statistics. You know, when you look around and see literally tens of thousands of homeless people living in tents under, under every available bridge and in every available park, you know, it sort of begs the question, how can there be 3% unemployment and all this homelessness? The stats, the way they're measured in America, of course, if you're not actively seeking work, then you're not included in unemployment figures, and, and hence why the number is as low as it would be, uh, you know, in that three percent range. So, you know, your consumer is struggling right now in terms of a very sharp um, dent, if you will, on confidence both, as I say, through that cost of living rise uh, and, and now that spectre of higher interest rates, you know, two and a half percent interest rates, I think within the next 18 months there, I would say is a fairly safe bet. Which is tough considering there's been a real lack of wage growth. And you mentioned, AB, mm. in our talkings earlier today that the gap in wealth mm. is so obscene. You've got people yeah. living under a bridge, but then you've got others who are living in a $40 million mansion. Mm. How does that come into effect and what does that mean then down the line for an economy? Yeah, that, that's a challenge. And I think, you know, for anyone that's traveled in the US, They've probably seen this firsthand. The wealth gap is astronomical. It's probably more marked, I think, than virtually any other country in the world. Maybe India would be the exception to that. But you know, it's, it's a uh, it's it's a very marked wealth gap. Um, and and in these times, I mean, since U.S. interest rates have been zero, effectively, you've seen close to a forty percent rise in property prices. You've seen close to eighty percent rise in the equity market. So, for people that have had cash or have been invested, they've done exceptionally well over the last couple of years. And that wealth gap certainly has widened to probably what I would consider to be the, 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 the widest chasm I can remember seeing. The challenge with that, um, if you look at, for example, crime uh, and crime rates are off the charts, particularly in some of the states like you know, Oregon and, and, and California, which are democratic states, and there's been a much more um, laissez-faire attitude to, to street crime or shoplifting and things of that nature. Um, and, and, and there are people that are in a situation where they have no option. There is no option. If you want to eat, you've got to go and steal something. So that's really quite unsettling to see when we live in a country where, sure, you know, there's there are people that go through economic hardship, but there's also a safety net there to try and um, stymie that absolute abject poverty. It, it really is confronting. And as you say, you look on the other side uh, of the block and, and, and you've got somebody driving around in a you know, million dollar car and living in a $40 million house. It's crazy. There's mm. a, a big wealth gap, so to speak. Yeah, that civil unrest, I think, is not something that's likely to go away either. Uh, and typically with a democratic government in in, in, in the White House, the, the story is unification and, and, and bringing those two groups together. And I think that chasm has probably never been wider. It's 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 really, really confronting. Uh, and when you see it firsthand, it's not looking at something on the TV. It, you, you, it really is quite unsettling to see as a human being. It's just wrong. These are remarkable observations, to say the least. But I guess the question I've got for you, AB, is at some point in time, this anecdotal observation will then have to reflect on the statistics. Mm. Nonetheless, there's always a lag factor. So would you be able to explain how that lag factor works when it comes to economic data? Okay, so 
there are a couple of things afoot. If we take oil as an example and, and, and kind of just zone in on that one pain point rather than make this too broad. So when you see a spike uh, in oil prices, it's exactly that. It's a spike and people look at it and go, that's not much fun. But the lag effect of the impact of that higher price takes typically about two to three months before it really starts to impact on people in their budget and how they choose to spend their money. Most people, when you see our oh, prices, yeah, they'll, they'll come back and so it's a temporary blip. But when it becomes more sustained, it becomes a major issue. And that lag factor is about two to three months with, with oil typically. So to give you an idea, if we look at oil prices and then car sales, Higher oil price doesn't affect car sales for about three months. And then for the next eight months, on average, you look back over the last, I don't know, I remember doing doing some research on this when I was working in London, so it's a bit dated, but you know, typically for the next eight to 10 months, you see a 10% drop each month on car sales because of that spike. That's the lag factor before it comes into the, into the system. So the US government is working quite hard to try and remove that pain. Yeah, there's a strategic reserve of of, of, of oil in the US, uh, which is uh, obviously kept there in case of emergencies. And the government now are releasing 1 million barrels a day, which they've committed to doing every day for the next six months in an attempt to reduce, I guess, that pain that people are feeling on, on the back of higher petrol prices or gas prices, as they say. Uh, and, and that is going to take some time to, to have an impact. Now, the challenge is if they release those strategic reserves and it doesn't really do much to reduce energy prices and therefore that lag factor on consumer confidence, two to three months time, you're looking at a lot of pain and what effectively is going to be a real sort of quick pull up, I think, on the US economic sentiment and the confidence in that. And you go from being in booming economic conditions to more of the twilight zone of, hey, which way is this going? It's interesting you say that and and the points you make are really mm. quite interesting because you start to connect dots of what we're seeing mm. here in australia and it kind of makes oh, sense make no mistake it's going to play out exactly the same way here the only difference is our strategic oil reserves are actually held in the us for some strange reason well, there you but go. There we go so in terms of consumer spending ab mm. on the basis of what we're seeing or what you've seen yep. you know you would anticipate that that would decline um yeah, like, like one of my one of one of the things, and I didn't get a lot of time to do it, but um, I, I like to have a walk around um, like shopping centres. I'm not a shopper, but I like to see what's going on. And my go-to if I'm in Los Angeles is the Beverly Centre. Um, yeah, and it's I've been going there for a long, long time, and it's the first time that I've ever been in there and there's been vacancies in terms of shops. There's normally a wait list of of, of retailers that want to secure space in that center because it's high foot traffic it's a premium center um you know it's a good place to be if you're in the bricks and mortar space and i think i counted i think it's seven or nine vacancies in that center at this particular point in time which is absolutely unprecedented never ever have i seen that before and you think okay well that's that's a factor but why is this and then you look around and realize well I remember I, I, when I pulled in the car park, I parked right next to the lift, which again, never happens. No one in the car park and uh, probably somewhere between you know, 50 and 100 people in that shopping mall, whereas ordinarily it'd be a couple of thousand in there. So that's that's an idea of how dramatically different um, this trip was in terms of consumer spending. And, uh, and I think yeah, the ramifications on there, if your household bill for for fuel, gasoline is higher, your household fuel for energy is higher, your household bill for food, which has also just gone ballistically high over there, just like we've seen it here. They're the three pain points that people have as fixed costs. You have to buy food, you have to buy fuel. Uh, and so that money's got to come from somewhere and that discretionary spend, let's go to the mall and buy some sneakers, let's let's go and hang out and get some takeaway. That, that, that's not happening. And you can see that now already. And if that gas price doesn't drop over the next couple of months with this strategic uh, reserve being tapped into, it's going to get pretty ugly. 
It makes a lot of sense. So if you're a trader, AB, and the question we're all looking to ask <laughs> you is, you know, we've got a reporting season coming up. And mm. for those of you who don't know our listeners out there, the US company's obligated to report four times a year, so quarterly. Mm. We've got one of those seasons coming up right now in yep. the next week or two. What would you be then doing as a trader? What would you be looking out for? Yeah, I'd be putting the hard hat on for this one. No question about it. One of the things that you know, we've talked about is that full employment, 3% unemployment, uh, uh, and and therefore full employment. And effectively what you've had is, is, is some significant wage pressure. Wages in America are very different. They don't have a minimum wage in the same way that we have in Australia. You know, well, the minimum wage in Australia is about 25 bucks or so an hour, roughly, I think. Uh, someone will pull me up on that, but it's in that order. Somewhere, yeah. Um, and... Um, over there, that number is really different. It's you know, six or seven bucks an hour. And it's not a lot, is it? it, it it's not. And I guess you rely on gratuity if you're in you know, customer facing jobs and, and, and so on. But parking that all to the side, there's, there is quite substantial pressure in the labor market. Every single business I went into said, we can't get staff. We cannot get staff, which is not dissimilar to the, the situation here in Australia. So seeing that evidence, knowing the economic statistics, full employment, um, inflationary pressures, rising interest rates, rising gas prices, and looking around and having it confirmed, I guess, anecdotally walking around seeing things. The three areas I'd be watching very, very carefully in this earnings season uh, would be, you know, consumer staples and, 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 and consumer services in particular, because if you're in a consumer service type business, your wage costs have gone up, but you're not necessarily going to have the pricing latitude to better pass that on to your customer. You know, it's not like if fuel prices go up, garage charges more for fuel. Uh, if you're in a service space, it's a lot harder to pass that cost uh, pressure on. So you're going to get some margin squeeze in that consumer service space. Equally, um, I think in the retail space and particularly apparel clothing, I reckon you are going to see an apocalyptic uh, result season where not only when the companies report are they going to talk about softer sales, I think the outlook, the guidance for the coming quarters is going to be pretty unpleasant reading. Um, so with that in mind, having strategies like our favorite the straddle uh, for the earnings season so you know if you see a drop those puts that you've bought go up in value and and, and you make money in that way uh, positioning yourself with some shorter uh, term not shorter term time frame trades but shorter the market trades that are bearish trades probably is quite prudent uh, equally um, around that um, for your long positions in those less uh, consumer-related stocks, good solid growth companies that have good quality earnings. You're not chasing high multiple tech companies, good solid uh, utilities, that sort of stuff that's pretty um, uh, healthcare, those sorts of things that are pretty uh, lower volatility type plays would be very much how I'd set the stall out going into this result season. And you know, there's going to be a lot to take out of this because it is a great precursor to what we can expect over here. Um, it was a very, very sobering trip just seeing the um, different aspects of poverty on one side, wealth on the other, which is always there, but even more marked. But looking at a really, I, I guess, doom and gloom type outlook uh, in a country that's renowned for its optimism uh, is quite confronting. Yeah, it's a lot to digest there and it doesn't sound awesome. I think the other piece of advice we can take from you just listening to this reading between the lines is don't travel. <laughs> Look, I think if, uh, uh, and it was a dog's breakfast of a trip on on, 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 a, on a few scales, yeah, well done to the, the, the team at the airline for doing what they do, but the, the bookends either end, the actual process of traveling is absolutely no fun. It was a very, very draining experience uh, for what normally is, is quite fun. 
productive trip. Certainly there's going to be some good um, trading opportunities that will fall out of that. Hopefully this is enough to help our clients, you know, set out their stand and capitalize on those observations. And remember, they're not just observations, they're also backed up with the economic data as well, which is pointing to the same thing. When those two circles overlap, and I can only really go off, you know, the last sort of 25, 30 years I've been in markets, they tend to be good, high quality probability trades. So, you know, take what you want out of this and, and just make sure that you're not on the wrong side of uh, that result season, because I do think it's going to be, you know, and, uh, and particularly for apparel where your cost of what's going into the uh, the garments, if it's clothing, is also going up because, you know, cotton price and everything else are moving higher too. So, yeah, brace yourself for um, not being a long-term investor in buy and hold, but being a little bit more nimble and a bit more active and very selective as to how you set your standout. If you get that right, you're going to make a killing this quarter. Great advice, AB. And as always, research, get educated, know what you're talking about, and you can make these kinds of quality decisions. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. You know, best investment you ever make is in yourself. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks, AB. Absolute pleasure. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating, and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.